Welcome to the Walpole High Film Festival's podcast, One Point Perspective, a podcast that explores the world of digital filmmaking and talks to young aspiring filmmakers in high school, college, and beyond. Now here are the hosts of the show, Mike Allen and James Conley. All right, welcome back to One Point Perspective, Walpole High School's number one podcast. We're sitting here with uh, CJ Tempesta. Goes by Carl Tempesta now. Is that right? Uh, in the in the professional in the professional world, world he's Carl Tempesta. So look in the credits for Carl Tempesta. You'll start seeing him soon, I'm sure. But uh, we all know him as CJ Tempesta, graduated class of 2012. Yes. And uh, yeah, he's here to share, uh, you know, take a trip down memory lane with us and uh, talk about what he's been up to post uh, Walpole High School and college graduation. Yeah, really excited to have CJ here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm personally thrilled to have CJ here because uh, I don't know. He's one of those kids who look back for me with a smile on my face, think about CJ and his involvement. And honestly, I don't know. It, there are there are a handful of students who just show so much growth from freshman sophomore year to senior year. I, I don't know if anybody showed as much growth as CJ. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So take us back, CJ. So your memory, like when do you, what was your first memories of the film festival? Why'd you get involved? Because I remember, I think you told me it went back to middle school. Yeah, so it definitely started in middle school because I believe my sister Alyssa was like announcing like the red carpet, right? She was an interviewer. So through Alyssa, you know, and I, you know, I liked movies, obviously. So I would start watching the Film Fest movies and I was like, you know, a seventh grader blown away by some of these Film Fest movies. I absolutely loved it. I became instantly obsessed. And um, I actually almost went to a private, it's funny, I almost went to a private high school, you know, after eighth grade graduation. I went to private school in eighth grade. And one of, not the only reason, obviously, but one of the reasons why I wanted to come to Walpole High instead of a private school was literally because of the Film Festival. So that's cool. So it's just, it's so crazy to look back, but it was something I always wanted to be involved in. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I have a specific memory, which I know you're going to remember because it's, it's absolutely, you still have the footage. It's in the 10 year documentary, uh, like a small piece of it is, but me and John Griffin, freshman year, we walk in, my sister is like, oh, I'll introduce you to Mr. Allen. I was like, all right, perfect. Like, this is literally my dream come true right now. You know, meeting Mr. Allen, being in the film festival room, I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. So me and John Griffin come in and immediately Mr. Allen's like, oh, we got this new camera. Uh, can we like put you guys in front of it and have you guys like talk as like a test? So me and John sit in what is the classroom that is yours now. It used to be just a computer lab, but now it's your class. And we sit in the middle, we sit in our chairs. I was like trying to be wicked cool. I remember that. And John was like super like nervous about being on camera and it, that footage, if you can like get it up, it's like unbelievable how oh, yeah. cringy it is. It's like we so... have it. Yeah, it's a, you're like, ah, my name is CJ. <laughs> yeah, this is a new mic test. <laughs> oh, it was just priceless stuff. Yeah, I remember that, and I remember Alyssa. I think doing dance. Um, so this had to be like uh, your seven of the film festival so this would be 2009 and I think you were like waiting outside for her to be finished and oh you, definitely you were All like the time. sprawled out on the floor your legs were like 
hanging out on the on the wall. You were like a mess, and like, and you just. I remember listening being like, "This is my little brother, CJ," and you're like, "Hi," <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay," and then yeah, he wants to be involved in film. I'm like, okay, great, but you got involved right away, right? You got involved in freshman year. Yeah, so freshman year, I wanted to make a movie 100, percent and immediately, and I, it had to be from the pan, the new Panasonic camera interview that me and John had. So. I don't know if you guys know, but once in a while, people come along and they, they are themselves and they act in a, in a certain way that Mr. Allen knows will translate. And, they, and he immediately goes, we need to put you on the screen. We're, we're going to find a way. So, I mean, right out the gate, I acted in uh, James Elwood's short with John. Um, it was like the bully one. It was the flag one, right? Wasn't it, yeah. wasn't it the um, fighting at the flagpole? Oh, it wasn't James Elwood. It was, it was, um, no, it was. It was Mark Nelson. Fighting at the flag. Yeah, because he had the mustache. Yeah, but it was it was James. But and, oh, he directed it. Yeah, and and, and you had the scene at the locker. Right, and yeah. I was like the reporter, and I remember being like, like trying to like memorize stuff, like being all nervous as if I'm literally like getting paid a hundred thousand dollars and I'm like on a Hollywood set. Like I remember it being like such a big deal, and like I looked up to Elwood and Nelson, and I was like these guys are legends and like I'm working with two legends and I've only been like in school for a month. I was like, this is incredible. I was like, this is like the best thing ever. So I do that scene and I, it's funny, me and John just got together around Christmas time and we, not even kidding, it's like so weird that we're talking about it. We looked back and we rewatched uh, the Dorn movies and we rewatched re basically anything that we were in either directed or acted in, except well, I shouldn't say this, but except for Dorn of the Dance, we didn't watch that one. Oh, why are you <laughs> hating on that? That is the best one. It's a classic. All right, we'll get to the Dorn of the Dance later. Um, I didn't do that one. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, Derek I guess you were Okay, that's, that's right. Yeah, I wasn't right, involved we'll talk, at all. We'll, talk. <laughs> we'll get into the Adorn trilogy later, but let's stick right here. Okay. Freshman year, because let's talk about your short, uh, Revenge, yeah. Revenge of the Freshman. So I, I really don't know... I know that Revenge of the Nerds was a movie, and I'm pretty sure I knew that it was a movie back then, but the plots were like totally different. But I, I, I wish I remembered like what the motivation was between the idea, because I think it was me and John's idea. I, that's how I remember it. I don't, like, I don't know if it was Della Donahue's or Paige Agopian's idea, but I think it was our idea, and then you brought them on as directors to direct it. Is my memory of it, but I'm not 100% no, sure. No, I think it was their idea and their script. It might have been your pitch, possibly, and I and could then have they, pitched then it to they them. And then they wrote it. But they wrote it. That was back when um, um, all, all, the, all the, the, the kids in the film, one class, would, would write uh, short films and do the short films. Uh, we did that for a couple years when we could. Um, and, yeah, so they did Revenge of the Freshmen with um, – you remember who was in that? The, the uh, seniors. It was Mark Ellis played Bucky Lassick. We we named the bad guys after skateboarders, which was pretty funny. I thought that was a good bit. Mark Ellis classic. Uh, and it was Andrew. I remember. No, it's, it's um. I know who it is. It, it was, was the uh, brother Jones. Andrew Jones. Yeah, it was the brother. And again, Russ Jones. Russ me, Jones's brother. Yeah. Me and my uh, little film festival trivia. I was like, this is the brother of the lead role in the Usual Callist, which is by far my favorite film festival movie to ever be made. So, I was like, wow. Yeah. This is, I'm working with the brother of a legend, you know? Yeah, and, um, and it was hysterical. It, it, it worked out well. It worked <laughs> out surprisingly well. It was very, very fun. Uh, you come in to, the, to pitch what 
what uh, will be the start of the only trilogy we've ever done. So about a year. Yeah, so it's crazy. So about that, it's I actually was not involved in the Adorn pitch at all at the beginning. In my memory of it, I believe it was Adorn, Steve Sonic, and Morgan Norberg. And I think maybe Dan Dubois was involved in the pitch. Maybe I'm not. No, it was those three. I remember this. So it was those three. Yeah. And then later, you came to me and you were like, "Listen, I know you want to direct. This is it. This is this is the movie to direct." Like, and again, I don't know how it how the dynamic works now, but back then, if you were a sophomore director, that was a big deal. Yeah. People looked at you different. Yeah. You know, it's like, because there was always one, there was always like one sophomore crew and they were like the, the sprout of what the future of the film festival was going to be. Yeah. So it's like, uh, so that was like a really big deal. So of course I didn't care at all. At this point, I, I really didn't even know Adorn well. I definitely got to know Adorn oh, through really? that movie. I mean, so, I, I knew him okay. and we were like, we knew each other. We like have hung around with some of the same people. Cause like I knew Dan Dubois super well and he's really close with them. And like, we had similar friends, but I, and I would say he was my friend before that, but like. We definitely weren't close friends. Mm-hmm. We definitely became close friends through that process, which was an absolute process, let me tell you. Well, yeah, so that, they pitched that idea. And first off, let me just say that if you don't know Dan Adorn, he's, the kid is a, a, a gem and a character. I think top, top 10 legend of the film oh, festival has to be. Pretty, I just remember... Could be top three. I remember Dan Adorn, freshman, his freshman year, your freshman year, coming on the morning announcements okay, to make his speech to be president against uh, John Griffin. So John Griffin comes on. He's like a future valedictorian. Great speech, well-spoken. And then Dan Adorn comes on. And I'm like, what is this? And it's like all over the place. And, but here's the thing. You know he farted mid-speech, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's a legacy that will always live on. We do now. He, like, lifted. Do you, do you remember that? I don't know if it, if it really, like, went viral at the time. But. I don't think that translated on the TV. Oh, you know? I don't know. But, um, okay. It's even better now. But I just know that my, I was like, oh, my God. I braced, like, myself from my home room to, like, uh, like mock him and, like, be like, oh, you know. But, no. They were, like dying laughing but like not in a bad way no, they, they like yeah. clearly loved this kid and so there was a clear rivalry between griffin and adorn so the pitch was basically that he's out to best john griffin his best friend at something and i'm like okay this is gonna be great and i was like go ahead write this thing and they wrote it it's totally ridiculous totally f- funny and you're right so i i i I knew you wanted to be involved. And it was a sophomore. Some years we have three sophomore films going. Like um, recently we had three. Uh, this year we have two. Um, but you're right. So the sophomore, sometimes there's only one, but they, they usually end up being the future of the film festival because they get the experience. So, and I knew you wanted to do it. It was the only one. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I think this is the perfect for you. I knew it would be kind of goofy. So there's a lot yeah. of room for, for error. And... Uh, and I brought in Mr. James Connolly and Mr. Justin Cotalesa, uh, who had contacted me and said, you know, we want to help out. We're going to be around. We want to help out with the film festival. And those guys are the original sophomore independent crew from Karma. So I'm like, okay, guys, perfect. I got a movie for you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first time showing up to set. It was the chess scene between uh, John and, and Dan. And I walk in and I was like, what the heck did he sign us up for? Because this Dan Adorn kid was like, <laughs> was like, all right, what what's going on with this kid? Why is he dressed like this? Like, I was having trouble understanding what he was saying for a little bit, too. You pick up on it. It's an acquired taste, and I love it. Um, it was just a really fun. And it was really fun, like you said. I mean, we were sophomore independent crew, and, and just seeing um, how you, you guys went through the struggles, too. And that's kind of why we were there, to kind of help yeah. you guys out. You know, there was definitely some um, ups and downs, but that's, yeah. you know, that's the best part about it is learning oh, yeah, from your course. mistakes. Yeah, and we had put that crew in the yearbook room. Because that, oh, yeah. that was a kind of <laughs> oh, a le- I totally forgot. Yeah, that was a legendary year. Like that, like some people point to that year um, as one of the best. Oh uh, yeah, year eight. I mean, the math was like eight and really uh, cootie so catcher. Many. West was great. West. That art direction is the best art direction yeah. probably ever. And so it was a lot of movies, and it had all those those shorts. So I had no room. And the only room I had to talk to Cashman because I think his journalism kids were up there too. And I was like, listen, can you just give us a computer? Because we're already using the, uh, we're already using the pub room that was all booked because Wes was in there. And, and uh, I was like, can you give us just, you know, and, and Cashman's great. He's like, sure. He's like, after school. So you guys were like shoved up there. And Mr. Conley and, and, and Justin Cardalessa were up there, thankfully, and, and helping you guys along. And uh, I just remember going up there and both James and Justin were like, they would just die and laugh. And they're like, they, they said a couple of things. They're like, this is going to be so funny. Yeah. And I was like, that's what we want. And, and another thing they said, and we already talked about this in the previous podcast, but they said that this kid, Jackie Gately, remember him. He's oh, yeah. Gonna, he's going to be a star. And, and they were right. And he played the Amish kid. Yeah, he played. And it was so random. Like, so much of that movie was just like, and really during the final chapter too, uh, but obviously that was way more organized, but like there's so many random things. I think that's the point of making a Dorn movie is that we don't have to go 100% by the script. If we go to the woods and there's a really funny looking stick and we just think of a bit to film, we film it and then it gets in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just, that's just the way it, it works. Uh, and it's really funny you talk about the computers because I don't know if you remember this, but we were originally in Cashman's room and we got kicked out because uh, Adorn got really mad. I don't know if you're gonna keep this, but Adorn got really mad and like stormed out of the room and like yelled at Morgan. That was a huge tension, him and Morgan, like the whole time. But um, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> but I might, and I then Cashman was like, "All right, guys, uh, if you just want to pack up everything, like, yeah, you guys are good in this room now." And then we went to the yearbook. Room. Oh, okay. we were originally in. I don't remember that, yeah. but that sounds right. <laughs> um, but going back to Jackie Gately, yeah, I, and I didn't know Jackie Gately at all. Like that was my first time meeting him. I think Morgan was the one that like knew him, and the Amish character at the time was only supposed to be. And I think the one chess scene, because I think that's like one of the first things we shot where we needed like any extras. And it was like, oh, let's just dress him up as an Amish guy. That's funny. You know what I mean? And we looked back and he was so good just in the background playing chess that we're like, all right, let's see if he can come this day. Let's see if he can come this day. And then his character became something way more than it was intended. And then the end with him playing all the different, with Jackie Gately playing all the different characters at the end, that was a completely random, I don't even know who came up with it, it definitely wasn't me. 
but someone came up with that idea for the end and it was so brilliant yeah yeah it it, it worked and um i mean a lot of people came out of that movie obviously uh, you and adorn um but the you know uh, kayla sweeney was in there as and, the and as the ass of the deer, yeah, and yeah. Jenny Landon, <laughs> the, uh, oh yeah, the two-person right. deer. I, no, it I was uh, I think it was Aaron Strickland. It was Jenny. Oh no, Jenny was. Um, did Jenny help out? And she and she was in. She was on it at some point. I know yeah. that Jenny Landon. Jenny Landon helped out because, and then she was the gorilla next year. Yeah, the sister. Yeah, That's what it was. but I know it was Aaron Strickland and Kale Sweeney in the, in right. the deer costume. And, and Mama Sal yep. made, made that the costume. costume. Yeah, and the true. Irish costume. A lot of people say yeah, that one of the biggest true. snubs of all time was Mama Sal not getting nominated for Best Art Direction that year. It, it was. It will go down. As one of, yeah. And West beat it out for Best yeah. Art Direction. Right? Oh my. Well, not even a nomination. Mama Sal did not even not get even a nod. Because I think West is what the best art direction I think I've ever seen in a film festival West movie. West built a bar. It was, un- <laughs> it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, no, but Mama Sal didn't even, there was no nomination for art direction for Adorn the Final Chapter. And I think it might be one of the biggest, probably the biggest art direction snub of yeah. all time, no, I would no. say. Oh, hot, hot takes, hot takes. hear that, Academy? All right. All right. So <laughs> then, um, junior. Take us through junior. So junior year, me personally, it was a kind of stressful year. Um, I was going through, like, college stuff and like I was getting super stressed out in school and taking probably like too hard of classes but trying to like power through it and it was just like I didn't have the time that I had sophomore year so I remember like maybe I was going to direct maybe I wasn't but I was going to be involved no matter what and I think we came to the consensus that and I think you probably saw it that like I wasn't like I had so much stuff on my plate that directing probably wasn't in the cards my junior year so then you were like, hey, I think you'd be great on this crew. Just help out when you can, act in it. And that was Huckleberry. That was Staples over Walpole, which I loved helping out on. Um, and you were like, yeah, just you know, be a part of this crew. And that's what I did. I did not direct my junior year anything, not even a, not even a short. It was like my off year. Like you didn't direct the... Um, the, the Adorn the, of the Dance. No, 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 no. no. Um, you didn't direct the, the cheerleading? Oh, maybe I did. Maybe you did. I don't even remember. I might have directed I Want to Be a Cheerleader. But I did not direct a feature. At the very no, least, I did not direct a feature. No, but you were, you were um, perhaps you'll forever be known as, uh, what, I don't even know the guy's name. Was it Carlos? No, oh. it wasn't Carlos. It was wh- whoever the messenger guy is at the beginning I th- of Staples. I thought it was Carlos. Oh, it might have been. All right, so Carlos. No, you know who Carlos was? Carlos was um, my character in Revenge of the Freshman. Okay. I, was I just remember you coming in. I don't even know if you're named, you know, and you, yeah. and, and, uh, oh. and, and I was and, just like staples, senor. <laughs> and then I get lit up by all the staples. I went all out for that too. Like I really, oh, I, really I love that movie. That movie. I had somebody watch that movie. The other, like, yeah. um, I think, you know, the, the crew of, uh, of the grape crew, yeah. the grape God watched that movie and they were laughing about this. They couldn't believe how good it was. I was like, oh yeah. I'm the Saves Over Waffles is really good. It's a yeah, really good Yeah, I was like, one. it delivers, man. It's Jimmy Gillen is a very, very good writer. Yes. Very good writer. Yeah, so you took kind of sabbaticals, you know. Yeah, I took it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and then, um, so junior year, you didn't do the Adorn. Adorn of the Dance is the second installment. And I had literally, it's really weird because like, it's not even that I didn't direct it. I mean, I had literally no involvement at all. I mean, I had zero involvement in Adorn of the Dance. Yeah, written by Jimmy Gillen. Mm-hmm. Uh, great screenplay. Hysterical. Adorn and Marvin. Uh, I mean, you, you can't ask for a better you, you can't. duo. Um, but yet, 
Kinesia and Myers, I don't think were ready yeah. uh, for the reins, and it didn't execute maybe as, as well as they uh, are capable of executing that at that particular time. However, I will say this, okay? That movie, you have to give it a chance and you have to watch it a few times. <laughs> yeah. But, oh. It's like watching Hail Caesar. After the third time, you're like, okay, this might be a little good. I get yeah, this. it yeah. works. I tell you, I, I can watch that movie. It's just, it just cracks me up. Those yeah. two, those two just crack me up. Um, Arguably the best poster, too. Yeah. Oh, easily, easily the best poster. <laughs> that but, was killer. So then senior year. Yeah. So let's... Do you want to tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. Of the recruitment? Yeah. So senior year, I come in, and senior year uh, was just a really great year. Um, I definitely grew, personally, I definitely like grew as a person that year, 100%. Junior year, Carl, junior year, CJ was behind. Senior year, CJ was here. I was having fun. I was enjoying my last year of high school, and I was going to direct something. So Mr. Allen comes to me, and he goes, all right. And this is actually like this kind of changed the history of the film festival a little it bit. Does, this decision, and, and it really does. I know the story you're gonna tell, and I tell this story yeah. every year to the kids. Oh, it's it's so crazy. So Mr. Allen comes to me with uh, a script, and the script was a series student, and I read the script, and I just like I wasn't feeling it. Maybe because I hadn't seen a serious man. Like maybe if I had, I would I would have liked it more, but. I was like, honestly, Mr. Allen, like, I just, I don't know. I'm just, like, not feeling it. I, like, he's like, no, this is going to be the award winner. Like, this is all you, blah, 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 kind of hyping it up. And I was like, I don't know. Like, let me see if there's something else. And I came up with all these really dumb ideas. I came up with uh, an idea called The Rock, which was, like, about a stone that when you touched it, it gave you superpowers. And, like, <laughs> I, like all these crazy, crazy ideas. Calculator this, one. The calculator one, it was probably the best not great idea that I had. <laughs> Um, the lost, it was called the lost calculator, by the way, it was the official title. Um, yeah, definitely the best bad idea. And, um, I, I think we should put, is that on top shelf? The lost calculator? No, I can revisit. All right. Revisit might it. have to, but so, and then he's like, okay, well, if you don't like a serious student, and at this point, Mr. Allen's like not getting agitated, but he's like, all right, you have to pick. Now you're being like really picky. You're coming up with all these crappy ideas. Like it's time to pick one. And he brings me the Adore on the Final Chapter script. And he goes, listen, I think you would do an unbelievable job with this. And I said, in front of Mr. Allen and Mr. St. Martin, I said, there's absolutely zero chance I am directing another Adoran movie. I go, there's no chance. I go, there's no chance. I remember being so stressed about it because I was like, Mr. Allen was like, Here, here's the thing. Here are your two options. You can direct a serious student, or you can direct a door on the final chapter. It is your choice, but it's one of these two. You kind of gave me the ultimatum. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm really not feeling a serious student, but at the same time, like, I don't want to direct a door on the final chapter movie. So Mr. Allen and Mr. St. Martin finally convinced me, and uh, I let a serious student go to the wayside, and I take on a door on the final chapter. And I think that for everybody involved in both crews, that was like the best decision possible because I would not have made a serious student as well as it ended up being made. Um, and I don't think any, and I'm not saying this in any like way, but I don't think anyone else could have directed a door on the final chapter. No, it, it, it really, it, it was the perfect uh, yeah. situation the way it ended up. And I tell that story every year because we watch serious students, one of the few movies we watch just because that movie is, um, it does something, it, it, it tackles major themes, it's really well done. 
um, and it really holds up. The, yeah. ki the kids are still amazed at that movie, yeah. and I tell them, you know, as I, I the, just the story you said, and I said I went to, you know, one of my top directors, and I was like, this is it read this and he came back he said I, I know this is a great script I remember you saying this I know this is a great script but it's I just I don't really get it and I don't know if it's for me and I remember being like okay well if you don't get it then you probably should you do definitely it. can't direct it right yeah. and because and, and that was a real small crew yeah like and, five people and I was like only the people that got it yeah, that were like yeah, Batchelder, Irwin, and, yeah. and Myers, really. Right, and and Boren. And Boren, that's right. Yeah, and those and those were the only people who got it. And I was like, yeah, and they were they killed it. Yeah, oh yeah. But on the flip side, like the Adorn movie was a harder movie to do. Oh, it's nuts. And I don't know if there was another director that could have done it. Like, I mean, you killed that movie because you had the right sensibility. Yeah, you could handle Adorn. That was big. And and God, I mean, I don't know if you know. There's been a bunch of directors that have just put their entire life into the movie, and you're one of them for that yeah. movie. Like you were oh, always there. I don't know. How, I mean, I think I went to lunch like less than ten times the whole year. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I would take my lunch and I would go up to the editing room, which again was not, which is now your classroom, but it wasn't at the time. And I would sit there and I would edit. And I would edit and I would rewrite stuff. And it was like all about, because once I st once we started directing that movie and we started putting scenes together, I started getting so excited. Because honestly, when I took it on, I was like, oh, I, don't, I can't believe, it. I was like, I cannot believe that I got convinced to do another Doran movie. I was like, I literally cannot believe this. Because um, the Doran movies had a reputation of being like the silly, goofy thing. And I wanted to make something, and I'm not saying they weren't good, because they were in their own way, but... I was like, I want to make like a, a movie that's going to get nominated for Best Picture. Like, I, I don't. And at the time, an Adorn movie getting nominated for Best Picture was like unheard of. Like, there was no way that Adorn movie was going to get nominated for Best Picture. It just wasn't that type of movie. Uh, and we did. Spoiler yeah. alert. And um, you did. I know. That's how good that movie was. It, and it was not a we, surprise because it was. It no. just delivered. I remember watching because um, I was on the Academy, and I remember watching that very first scene where he's coming in with like the paparazzi yeah, and yeah. I was like, Holy crap. This is like a much different, like oh, yeah. this crew. I was like, I remember these guys and, and, and watching that, um, watching like how you guys, how you put that all together. To me, it was like a perfect ending cause I was there for the beginning and I knew yeah, how disheveled yeah. it was and the, the two person deer and all that. <laughs> and then seeing like what came, I was like, I was, I liked it a to, lot. To this day, yeah. it, it might have the biggest laugh we've ever gotten in any movie. A Doran Final Chapter? Yeah, which is the cloud joke. Oh my God, that cloud joke. That actually, <laughs> that actually might have surpassed me getting hit with the arrow in yeah. the day of Adorn. So the cloud joke was so funny <laughs> that St. Martin, when he watched the the rough cut, or the, you know, it was almost the final cut, stopped the movie and like put his head down and like was dying laughing. He, he had to like take a minute to come back to it. It was so funny. Yeah. That, that, I mean, we've had a lot of good jokes, but that joke, and I, and I still remember Hope working on it. Like, yeah, Hope was And I, and Hope I was like, was trust me, Hope, this is gonna be good. I was like, these, these Photoshop jokes always fly. Yeah. And, oh, and, and Adorn kills it. He's like, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. He, that's easily Doran's best performance. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's so good in it. And um, the thing with, now that you mentioned Hope, 
Uh, Hope couldn't have been any better. Oh my gosh, she's great. Uh, and that was something that I was, and I think this is one of the reasons maybe I, didn't, I wasn't the biggest, I liked it more than um, a serious student, I thought it was more for me, but it was one of the things that I was like, something's missing here. And at some point, sorry, at some point in school, I was like, I have it. I go in all of these Adorn movies, there's never a girl and there's never a romantic interest. Why not? That's so funny. Like there's so much potential there. So I looked through the class and, you know, tons of girls and stuff in our film class because I knew they wanted, it should be someone in the class. And I, Hope is a really great person. I mean, she's just an absolutely fantastic person through and through. And I knew not only was she a great person and I thought she'd be great for it, but I knew that she'd be a really good sport about stuff. Because, and I'll tell you a really funny story about when Adorn and Hope had to hold hands for the first time, about how that went. Um, so I, I just knew she was going to be really good about that stuff. And, um, what was the funny I, story? I, 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 and yeah, she, and she did a great job. So we are uh, on, in, on the field. And again, Hope and, Hope and Adorn just doing a great job. And they had to, there's a point in the scene, it's still in there, where they hold hands. Like, they, they hold hands, and it's like this really cute moment, and then it cuts to, like, a, a shot of Hope looking close up. Oh, it's adorable. So the first time, and I, you guys won't see this, but I'll show uh, James and Mr. Allen this. So the first time, like, Adorn, you have to, like, grab her hand, but grab it, like, nice and loving, like, interlock fingers, right? And Adorn, I could tell, was nervous, so I kept trying to give him, like, specific instructions so that he knew how to grab her hand and hold it in this, like, one-second shot. And I will literally, I wish we had the blooper of it. Um, there's a shot, the first time we did it, he was so nervous that he grabbed her hand, but he really didn't grab her hand, he kind of grabbed like her palm and thumb. It was like, and he just like, kind of like grabbed with all five fingers, grabbed like, like this, like this. It was like, kind of like the palm and the thumb area. Like he definitely didn't interlock any fingers. And then I was, I could not stop laughing and Hope could not stop laughing. And Adorn came out with a great line that was in the blooper that it, like I was rolling just on it. Uh, and he says, what? I'm sorry. I'm new at this. And I lost my mind laughing. So funny. Oh God. He's a good sport too. Oh, he was, yeah. oh Adorn was great. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm still really close with Adorn to this day. So yeah, he yeah. comes in once in a while. I'll say hi. Um, all right. So, uh, that was good. Um, so, all right, now you graduate, so... Can I say one more thing about doing the final chapter? Do you mind? Yeah, no. Um, and this is something that's kind of for people that are going through making movies now, uh, is the David Doran too, but Doran the final chapter kind of always has a special place in my heart because it's like I will always feel a connection to everybody that acted in that movie and committed time and effort and that was on that crew. And I guess the number one thing I would say... Uh, about that movie is like, and about, you know, movies in the future, if you are listening and you are making ones, is don't be afraid to go out of your small friend group. Don't be afraid to, like, branch out. Because, like, when I made a door in the final chapter, it was really important to me because, you know, we were seniors. I really wanted to make it, like, the senior year movie. I wanted to get all these different groups of friends in. Um, and that's what we did. I mean, we literally had the captain of the football team, Dan King, having a scene with John Griffin, the valedictorian. I mean, they barely talked if they ever talked before that. And then they got to have like that special kind of friendship and they'll always kind of have that thing that they like acted in a scene together. You know what I mean? And same thing, Devin Bloom was another one that was one of Hope's friends that um, 
did a really great job and Dan Lemieux and Boren did really good jobs and just the whole crew. And it was really special kind of bringing in all these different people from that. We were all like, you know, friendly, like we all knew each other, but we weren't necessarily close friends, but making a door in the final chapter, like that crew and that cast will always like, they'll always have a special place in my heart. So don't take making a film festival movie, especially your senior year for granted. And don't be afraid to kind of branch out and use and, and don't just use like your really close friends like don't be afraid to use people that um you know you, you're you're close with like your friends with in school but maybe you would never make the movie but just like just do it it's, yeah. it's really fun because you have these special bonds mr o'toole i never talked to once but he was in the script so we used him as the guidance counselor and i think mr o'toole even said later the same thing i just said is like that's what makes the film festival so special is that it allows you to work with people that maybe you wouldn't and have bonds with people that you normally wouldn't. Yeah, you know? it is the best part. He's right. Very inclusive. I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of our other guests on the podcast have said the same thing. It's, I met this person. I never probably yeah. would have hung out with them before. Yeah, but, 100%. You know, we were put on the same crew. Yeah, right. so, and it's a reason why it's split up Karma crew Yeah, and the Code crew senior year, right? Yeah, we were... <laughs> Because you guys were so inclusive, you had your little gang, and then yeah. split you guys up, and you meet all the other, work with all the yeah. other people. To us, it was the end of the world, but uh, looking back, it was a really good experience. Yeah. So, um, all right. So from here, this yeah. is very important. Like you went on to film school. A lot of our students are thinking about going on to film school, going yeah. on to film school. So we always, you know, what was your? Where'd you go? What was your experience? And ultimate question always is like, is it worth it? Honestly, it's a really hard question. Is it worth it? Um, I ended up going to, excuse me, I ended up going to Fitchburg State University, which um, I was happy with. It's in that magazine of, of film schools in America that Mr. Allen has. So I was like, okay, it's a legit film school. But um, it's a small film school, and there are challenges that come with that. Um, obviously, when you think of film schools, a lot of people immediately think, uh, people immediately think of BU in Emerson, because those are like the two top dogs in the city, great programs. Um, and, you know, I went to Fitchburg State, and they're a great program too. But the biggest thing about going to film school is if, if you're planning on pursuing film because you want to just have an easy, fun time in college, then don't do it. Then it's not worth it, because you're just going to pay money. And I, I've seen so many kids, and it's like this at every film school too, you see so many kids that just kind of breeze on by, get their film degree, and then don't pursue it after. And it's because they didn't even pursue it while they were in college. If you're not willing to pursue making films 100% while you're in college actually taking the classes, you're not going to pursue it when you're out of college. So if you think that you have what it takes to like really pursue it hardcore and really go for it, then I think film school is worth it. But if you're just doing it as like an easy path, like, oh, it's, I like making movies, it's really fun, blah, 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 then, you know, it, it might be something where you don't look at. And you know what, there's absolutely no shame in trying for a year and then switching majors, or maybe you take a year off. There's absolutely no shame in trying and then figuring out it's not for you. Now, I know you came in maybe three, four years ago yeah. and, and talked to my class about basically hustling. Oh, yeah, oh, and, I have some and, good stories for this. Yeah, yeah. and be art working with art directors. Yeah, and you, um, if I remember, like yeah, from costume Pittsburgh, designers, but yeah, yeah, going on the train. Yeah, oh, I don't hear that. Should yeah, I say so, that story? Yeah, I think you should. Okay, so this kind of goes off the what I was just saying about like hustling and wanting it and, and really going for it. So 
this is kind of just like a story that, but it, it kind of puts things in perspective of like, how bad do you want it? And it's, um, cause here's the thing, if you don't want it as a hundred percent, there's always going to be someone that does want it a hundred percent. And if you're not hustling to make connections while you're in college and work on stuff while you're in college, somebody else is, you know? And by the time that you graduate, there's already kids that are working because honestly, when you're in college, that's somewhat the best time to network because you don't have as many responsibilities where like when you're in the real world and you're living at home or you're living in an apartment, like you need to make money, you need to find a job, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it, it's hard and it is hard. Um, even when you're working in the film industry on sets and stuff, it's hard. So use the time that you're in college to try to establish your groundwork so that when you graduate, you can immediately start working full time. So I know I'm kind of rambling, so I'll go back to the story. So my sophomore year, um, actually I'll even go back to my freshman year of college, or sorry, my senior year going into my freshman year of college. So my senior year going into my freshman year of college, um, I heard that Grown Ups 2 was looking for extras, right? So I sent in all my stuff, I ended up getting called in. And while I was on set, which was one of the best, it was so fun, I tried to make connections with people like PAs, you know, that were on set. I tried to like just ask them questions because I knew I was like, a fr I was really young to be a PA, but I was like just wanting to get any information I could. And I learned so much from just these crew members that were probably like 20 at the time. They weren't so much older than me. They're probably like just graduated college, maybe like 21, 22. And I learned so much from them. And uh, then one of them told me, they gave me a list of websites, which is a list I actually, I think, gave the students as well, of like where to find gigs. And one of those sites, um, I don't know how relevant it is now, but I think it is still a little bit relevant, is uh, newenglandfilm.com. Back then it was pretty relevant for finding like entry-level work on movie sets. And I know that's where I wanted to be. So sophomore year of college comes by and I'm checking, I'm checking. And I see that they're looking for unpaid interns in Chelsea. So I apply for this internship, I get an interview, and then I end up getting an internship unpaid in the wardrobe department, and in the costume department, I should say. And the key was I needed to commit two days a week to this internship. That was the number one thing. So I'm in college at the time at Fitchburg State, and I'm like, how am I going to do this? So what I ended up doing was I moved all of my classes. I literally, it was like right at the beginning of the semester. I moved all of my classes so that I would have six hours of classes, seven hours of classes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Wednesday night, I would take the train home. My dad would pick me up. We would, you know, go home Thursday morning. My parents, and I really, the reason why I have any success is because of my parents. I'll just say that right now. Okay, a lot of these stories, the theme is what my parents kind of sacrificed for me, which is, you know, you know, I love them and they're the reason I'm here. So, um, and I am where I'm at. So then my dad would drive me and or my mom would drive me into Boston or into Chelsea, I should say. And they would drop me off like where the costume department office was and I would work a 12 hour day. And then my dad would, you know, wait in the parking lot for an hour, wait till I was done. Then he would drive me home. Same thing Friday. He would drive me in on his way to work and then drive me home on the way home. And then I felt like I, had, I was already home and I had to like make money because I was already like, you know, just working so much unpaid. So then I would work at the Patriots Pro Shop as like a cashier and I would work on Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays was always a smaller shift, but Sundays because the game was always like a crazy like 12 hour day. And then on Monday morning, my dad would drive me back to the train station and I would take the train. The earliest train I think was like 6.30 and I would take the 6.30 train to Fitchburg so that I could make my 8.30 class on Monday morning. And that schedule was a whole semester. And 
looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I like did that, you know? Cause it was just like nonstop. It was like six, seven hours of classes, Monday through Wednesday, 12 hour unpaid days on set, Thursday, Friday, then working a real job for money Saturday, Sunday before starting it all over again, Monday morning. And, and but you, you met a lot of people and made oh, a lot yeah. of connections, right? Yeah. So when I, um, so when I worked on that, I got really close with like the supervisor and a lot of the costumers and through that, then my senior year of college, and I was doing little gigs here and there. I, I did a ton of extra work. Uh, I did a lot of like stand-in work, photo double work. So like I was on sets, meeting people and networking this whole time. But then my first full-time crew job came, I was a senior and um, I was doing my internship at Red Sky Studios, which is a fantastic studio in, in Austin. Um, and they were doing test shoots for Stronger, the Jake Gyllenhaal Boston Marathon movie. And I recognized the tailor was the same tailor that was on The Forger, which was the movie I worked on sophomore year. So I go up to her and I'm like, hey, and she's like, oh my God, Carl, like, how's it going? We, we just catch up. And I was like, are you guys hiring? And that's another thing, just really quick, I'm gonna mention, nobody will ever do anything for you in this industry if you do not ask. Don't ever think like, oh, if I ask, I, I might be annoying. Or if I ask, like, what if they say no? If they say no, they say no. And you're in the exact same spot that you were five minutes before. You know what I mean? No one will ever do anything for you in this industry unless you ask. So I ask her if they're hiring. They're like, wow, it's really funny you say that. We actually are looking for another wardrobe PA, which is like a paid job. So I was like, oh, wow, paid crew job. That's crazy. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of is history from there. I ended up having an interview going in, meeting them, getting hired. I worked full time on that movie. And then, you know, they liked me and I worked hard. And I think it's just like, when you're there, don't ever complain, just do your job. It's gonna suck sometimes, but just like keep working because just be excited for the next one and just keep getting excited for the next one because you will slowly move up. And then I, you know, I just went from movie to movie, TV show, pilots, whatever, just PA work, PA work, PA work. I worked in extras casting a little bit. I basically took whatever full-time job I could get on crew, whether it was as a stand-in, a photo double, an extras casting assistant, a costume assistant, a set PA, like no matter what it was, I just took it uh, if I wasn't working on anything else. And then that eventually led me to where I am now, which was um, above the line assisting on uh, the new Netflix Adam Sandler movie, which will be fun. Which That's, was fun, I should say. It was, it was this past summer. It's called Hubie Halloween. Fantastic. I mean, one thing is I want to stress is like how many kids would give up their entire weekend, every weekend of a semester in college, sophomore four year. Four days. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Yeah, the big four, right? There. Yeah, that's yeah. a big four, right? Like, that's a big party. Thursday, yeah. Thursday, Freaky Friday. Yeah, yeah. and um, gave up every single one just so you could be an intern, unpaid, uh, on set. But through those connections, this is where you are. And, and like, when you came in, to talk to our class a few years ago, that was kind of the theme. You have to hustle. You can't just sit there and say, oh, I'm a film agent, I hope everything works out. You know, you gotta make connections yourself. You gotta go out there and do it. And there's a lot of opportunity in Boston nowadays. Oh, but right now, there's like seven things that are starting up. It's crazy how much is here now. Yeah, and you just yeah. you can't just wait for them to knock on your door. Because they won't. Yeah. They because trust me, they're not gonna knock on your door because they have about 14 people knocking on theirs. Right. That's so are you going to be the one that slams through the door or are you going to be the one that sits at home? Right. Yeah. I love the, um, I love you were saying that, uh, 
you know, if you're not working 100%, someone else is. And that is, I feel like that's this whole industry because so many people want to be part of this industry that like that is, you got to, you have to be yeah. willing to do it and do it. And, and for the college thing too, it's not where you go. It's what you do. I say that to kids for everything, not just right. for film, but it's, it's no, what really, you do. especially nowadays, yeah. especially nowadays. Yeah. So that's, I think that this is great advice you're giving community right college, now. state schools, like they are top notch, just like ever, like, you know, it's just. There are certain things, like I would say the big difference between a Fitchburg State and a BU or an Emerson is that Fitchburg State, I, I feel like I probably had to hustle a little bit more. There was definitely like less equipment. The teachers had, it, I loved my teachers, there's nothing against them. But like the school in itself had less connections in the industry than like a BU or an Emerson. You know, it's like they have less connections. So you know what, go out and make your own. I found my own internship with Red Sky Studios. They recommended that I'd like, uh, and I'm not saying, again, this is bad either, but they recommended that I go to like a local TV station, you know, like a, and it wasn't Walpole, but like Walpole Local Access. Like they recommended I do my internship there and then I went out and I found my own, you know? So it's like, it's, there are advantages to going to the crazy big schools, right? Like a BU and Emerson. But don't think that because you're going to a school that's not one of those schools, that you have less of a shot. All it means is that you might have to hustle more, but you know what, when you graduate college and you're so used to hustling, you know, you can maybe surpass those kids. Or, you know, it's, it's all about the hustle. Once no, you're in the industry, cares. Nobody, nobody really cares. cares where you went. Right, the only people that care where you went is if you by chance are interviewing with someone who went to the same school as you. Right. That's it. Um, all right, so are we always end the segment uh, with recommendations. So first we talk about three film festival movies that you recommend these kids watch that you had nothing to do with and why? The first one, I talk about it all the time, but the usual call list was like, I think it was the first movie that I ever saw. I think it, I'm pretty sure it won Best Picture that year too. Yes. But that movie, and I haven't seen it in years obviously, but for some reason that movie really just like hit different you know what I mean it was just like there were twists there was accusations the acting was pretty good it was just well made and it was so entertaining and there's a lot that has to do there's a lot that like has to go I don't know how to say this there's a lot of knowledge that you can like get from a movie like that because if you just like listen to their dialogue and it's like it keeps going back and forth I don't know it's just Something about that movie that just keeps you entertained from the beginning to the end. So I would definitely recommend that, watching that. Um, without giving too much away, the writing was very good, and there was like a very big twist at the end that I personally did not see coming. Nobody sees it coming. Yeah, and it's and just it, like... It works. It's just, it works, and it's so good. And it's like, yeah, I would say Usual Cost is my one. Just on, I just think it's a fantastic movie, and I think it can definitely motivate you to you know, write something well and write something because I thought, and it was really good because it was, it was a long time ago. It was like seventh annual or sixth annual. Fifth. Fifth annual. So like it was a very early, early movie. Yeah. Um, and it was just so good. So the other one, I don't know if it was also the fifth year, maybe it was the sixth year. And this is one that usual call us like one best picture, right? People know it's good. This is one that I thought was like really good too. And that was uh, Melody Me. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, fifth year. Yeah. And I thought that Watch that movie just based on straight-up risk-taking. I mean, you're talking about making a musical, you know, and making it good. There are some times I'm like, 
I have a melody in my head, and I'm like, what is that? And it's the song where they're dancing, like, in the front of the school, and it's like, she'll be there in... You know what I you know mean? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I cannot believe I have that song stuck in my head right now. But I, I love, love, love that movie. And um, just straight-up risk-taking. And that movie also did a really good job of being inclusive. Yeah, like oh, the, yeah. The pop kids, yeah, pop br- absolutely brilliant, like, bit yeah. there. Because um, that's what the film festival is all about, is bringing people together, you know? Yeah. So I thought... That was incredible. And a third one that I had nothing to do with. The honorable mention I'll go before I reveal my third one, but the honorable mention is definitely West because if you just watch that movie, it's actually really short for a feature. I think it's only like nine minutes or 10 minutes. It's pretty short. But that movie's art direction, I mean, they built a bar from the ground up and it was absolutely incredible. Like you couldn't even, at points you couldn't even like recognize where they were. It was like really good. And I think you should watch that just as like a, anything I, I say this in quotes but like anything is possible sort of thing so like be whenever you're like oh my god we should do this but it's going to be too hard or it's going to take too much time just watch west and look at that bar set and watch how they shot that bar set because that took you know a full weekend i think and maybe probably longer and it's just a reminder that like even though you're in high school and even though like stuff can be hard and it can take time just do it and make it the best and west was a great example of that because that that scenery was like unbelievable yeah that was great um and the last one i'm going to say is albie and albie i think is one of the most complete beginning to end movies that i've ever seen come through the walpole film festival just like the writing is brilliant the acting is brilliant i actually told jackie because i'm so close with jackie i told him I was like, there's one thing that bothers me about this movie, and it is the snow in the background and, like, the first scene on the ground. I was like, that's the only thing. Everything else I just, like, loved. And the number one thing when you're making a movie is, like, making a complete beginning-to-end movie, you know? And it's, I think Albie's the greatest example of just a movie that was just, had such a nice beginning, and the ending was just so perfect, and it was just, like, the right, it was just a perfect beginning-to-end movie. And um, I would definitely recommend watching that one because that's you want your audience to feel the way that they felt leaving Albie after they saw it, yeah. in my opinion. And three Hollywood movies. This is tough. Um, first one I'll say is Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to learn how to watch movies with subtitles. Because that, with Parasite winning Best Picture, it's going to become more and more common. And personally, it, like, seems scary at first, like, the first time you're, you have to read. But you become so, because you're not distracted, because you have to pay attention, you end up becoming, like, so much more into the movie. Because, like, you're reading every word that's being said. And you're, like, grasping it. And the thing with Pan's Labyrinth that I love is, like, I love uh, Guillermo del Toro as a director. But if you're into, like, that adult... Um, sort of fairy tale sort of story it's just like great and it it also shows that it's great art direction but also shows that you can have a great story and not have it like be a thousand different locations and all this different stuff because most that movie other than her dream sequences which are obviously a big part of the movie but it takes place in that like area where it's like the house and the army base and you know just all that stuff so it's like that story is just incredible to me and um yeah, I would definitely recommend watching that one. Another one would be, um, I'll go with the recent one that I just saw, and that's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I just like, 
I loved, loved that movie. And I think it actually sends a pretty great message about, because uh, anyone that's in the industry can kind of feel and relate to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character of like the ups and downs. Like working in this industry can be really hard. And it can be really hard for like famous people that, you know, you see it's like, oh my God, they made it. Why do they feel like, why are they mad? Why, you know, why are they kind of like put off to the industry? Why this, why that? When they're already so famous, it's like, there's a weird thing that happens when it's like, if you feel like you're at the top of the world and then you go down, there's this weird mind thing that, and it happens at every job, I guess in real life too, I know I'm kind of rambling now, but when you're in the film industry, it's like, there'll be times where you're gonna work on sets where you're gonna be like absolutely loved and they're gonna be giving you more responsibilities and you know, you're borderline doing union stuff, but like you're not because if you do, like that's bad if you're non-union. But then you might jump onto the next movie after that movie's done, and you might be like scraping the barrel again because you're working with new producers, new designers, new art directors, whoever you're working with, and they don't know you, and maybe they don't like you, or they don't like you as much as the other one did. And it's like, I don't know, it's just like powering through. So I, I think Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sends that message pretty well with Rick Dalton's journey of like being super famous at one time, and then like feeling like he has to take like the supporting role in a pilot and then messing up and he's embarrassed and who is he and who am I and all that crap and yeah. I just um, it happens and I think it's, it sends a really good message and um, yeah I thought it was one of his better movies and I oh I thought Leo is unbelievable that scene where he forgets his lines is like oh, it's unbelievable and another thing with Tarantino movies in general but especially Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because obviously he rewrites history I mean we're talking about a director that directed a movie and literally rewrote the exact opposite of what actually happened. Right. And it's loved. And I, that has to do, I mean, whatever Tarantino puts out is going to be loved now anyway. But like, don't be afraid to do something that's like, oh, well, technically, like, this is what actually happens. Or technically, I'm supposed to get this rule of third shot. But like, wouldn't this shot be cool? Like, don't be afraid to just like do something different. Because Tarantino became famous and became one of the best directors alive right now because he constantly does that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another reason to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's recent, so it's like, yeah. it's a good one. And it's kind of like an ode to Hollywood. So if you are planning to go to L.A. and Hollywood, I think it's important to watch. Because yeah. it's, it's, like yeah, it's like an ode to Hollywood and filmmaking. And then the third one... Um, so the third one I'm going to say is Donnie Darko and it kind of goes along the thing with um, the Tarantino and like rewriting history and like doing things that don't necessarily make sense and taking risks and stuff if you watch Donnie Darko that movie is so out there and it got so much success and a lot of people actually see that as like oh like that's one of the best movies to not get nominated for an Oscar it's and it was lower budget and it was by a guy that didn't really direct a lot before or after um and it's just like, it's so random and it's so interesting. And that's the number one thing is like, people think that your movie has to make sense. And it really doesn't have to. You know, it like Donnie Darko, there's a lot of things in that movie that don't make sense. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I watched Inception and I was so lost and blah, blah, blah. But like, no, Donnie Darko legitimately has things that don't add up. No, and you don't have to give them all the answers. Right, and you don't. And Donnie Darkie gives you borderline no answers. <laughs> yeah, um, for it. And I watched the extended cut of it after I watched the first cut of it. And the extended cut, and this is actually a really cool thing, is that the extended cut actually had 
the answers oh, in yeah. there. And then they cut, they had, they had shots of, of uh, like words like from a book that were highlighted that like kind of explained what was going on. And in the cut that actually like theatrical release that everybody saw, they actually cut all of like the explaining out because the explaining made it way less interesting. What was so interesting about that movie is that you know absolutely nothing, kind of from beginning to end, and you get to make your own theory on it, and you know it's just all that stuff. So, if you want to be original and you want people to be entertained and be interested in your movies, I think the number one thing, and we're all like, I mean, as a director, I'm guilty of it too. Is like you're always like, oh, I need to explain this one thing or else it won't make sense. But like, don't feel like you have to explain everything because yeah. sometimes. It being unexplained is what makes the movie so great. Yeah, like Pulp, Don, fi- like Pulp yeah, Fiction. Same and, thing. In the suitcase, you don't. And he purposely made it ambiguous. Yeah. He, and uh, like, imagine if you saw what was in that suitcase at the end. Right. It would be terrible. You, you want you want mystery. Right. Um, and and you don't want to supply the answers. Uh, keeps them coming back. That's good advice. That's great advice. Yeah. And any time you can get Echo and the Bunnymen to be the soundtrack, yeah. then that's pretty good. <laughs> that's too. pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, we are so excited that we got CJ Tempesta before he goes out to L.A. Yep. Tomorrow, right? No, I go out next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So leaving for L.A. next week yeah. to make it in the industry or keep making it, I should keep say. Just yeah. keep hustling yeah. and making an industry, but we're thrilled to have you, and uh, this was great. Yeah, some really good advice you gave to the students and uh, and all the alumni that will be listening back to this. Um, it's, it's a good one. So yeah, yeah. Well, thanks and, for coming and, in. And thanks a for big mystery in. has been solved. Big mystery yeah. has been solved. If any student has any question about pursuing film, both in, you know going to school or pursuing set life afterwards, feel free to hit me up. I'll have uh, Mr. Allen and James put my contact info in the bio of this uh podcast so yeah just feel seriously do not hesitate to contact me because like i said before and this is one of the best pieces of advice i give to anyone that's trying to hustle and actually do it nobody will ever do anything for you unless you ask so do not hesitate to ask anybody me or just anybody else any questions about the industry because that's how i learned a lot and that's how i was able to kind of like network my way up so yeah, just don't hesitate. Good advice. Awesome advice. And once again, this is One Point Perspective. That was CJ Tempesta. Look for him in the credits as Carl Tempesta. <laughs> and uh, appreciate you coming in. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to Walpole High Film Festival's podcast, One Point Perspective.